Well, hello again, friends. Welcome to the Make 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 podcast episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 11. That's right. We're working our way into double digits of the Make 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 podcast. Today with us, we have the lovely Jessica Forsyth and the amazing Guy Forsyth. Um, Yes. So introduce yourselves, say hello, and let our lovely listeners know kind of where the best place to find uh, y'all's work. And we'll start there. Hi, my name is Guy Forsyth. I am a musician. I have a website, which is guyforsyth.com. You can also find lots of examples of me playing on YouTube. And uh, there's also a Instagram and Guy underscore Forsyth on Twitter. Um, uh, Ooh. Wow, you did so good. I'm proud of you. (laughs) You also have have a Reverb Nation Mm -hmm. and Bands in Town. Um, Mm -hmm. And normally you'd be able to find us playing around uh, because even with all of that, what primarily we do is we're live performers. And and that translates into clouds and droplets. Or droplets, viewers. Yeah, so um, so what I do is I produce a cloud of droplets, which in nice times is a very enjoyable experience, but not the best thing to be doing right now. So we are broadcasting from home at almost every opportunity. We've done, uh, um, yeah. Jess has been uh, producing the shows, and uh, how many shows have we had? Oh God, I'm going to have to actually start keeping count now. I think it's probably 77 um, COVID shows. We did the first one was an impromptu one we did, I believe it was on St. Patrick's Day was the first one we did. And we just hit the ground running. Um, so 77, that doesn't count all of the videos that we have pre-recorded and sent in to go on compilations and fundraisers and, and anything like that. So Hungry musicians are good early adapters. Um, yeah. So we're, yeah. Uh, you know, we were already hungry. So we thought, hey, this is great. You know, another way to um, to pander to people. And as professional panders, uh, if we pander correctly, it brings joy. <laughs> that's a that's a good way to to put it. You know, people have asked me the same question, like, "Oh, how's business?" I'm like, "Well, I photograph large events of people for a living, <laughs> um, and since there are no large events, it's it's been tough." Uh, yeah, so I've pivoted too, right? Hungry photographers are also right. We've started a podcast. We've started a uh, YouTube image review critique show. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm I'm learning a whole lot of. You know, it's on one hand, it's scary and awful, but on the other hand, it's hey, time to learn something new and see where it goes. I'm tired of learning new stuff, guys. Oh, yeah. I I just stitched a a Milky Way panorama and it took me like two weeks to learn the software to get one right. Well, I bet that's beautiful, though. I'd love to see your Milky Way panorama. Yeah, you know, it's cool. It was it's one of those things, right? How like I don't really I don't normally sell a lot of prints, sold but in three. the last week Yay. I sold three. And so you know, I think people are still hungry for art. People are still willing to um, Right. Yeah. So the big co- Yeah. I I've always said that I've always I heard some, I heard an author say and I, I really love it, is that is that artists are the cultural sponges. So we kind of act as a barrier to the world around and the world inside. Um, and so, you know, I, I still think we, we always have that need, right? 
like if you look at Netflix, right? They're up forty million subscribers. Yeah, Netflix, they win. Yeah, and because why? Because you're turning to the people that have a story to tell. Yeah. You know. People, I, you know, I think in general, yeah. people like to write their own stories and they like to go do things. I think that there's a real, uh, uh, and and there's certainly a market for movies. That's not at all what I'm saying. But yeah. I, I yeah. you know, like, it, this is a frustrating time because a lot of people's plans, their whole skill set, their whole uh, orientation has has uh, been to fulfill a role that may be impossible in this particular moment where we should be locked yeah. down. We should, yeah. everything should be paused. Rent should be paused. Um, uh, you know, like the, the, uh, the free market <coughs> will not take care of us in this particular circumstance because that's not the way it works. Right. You know, the best thing to do right now is, is to physically isolate, but we can keep socially connected even in this isolation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, imagine if this had happened 10 years ago instead, 15 years ago, right? We wouldn't, we literally wouldn't have enough bandwidth to watch live shows virtually, right? We wouldn't have enough. Absolutely. Right. Right. So um, we would all have blockbuster late fees right now. The blockbusters would be hot spots. That's so true. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it, it might it might have saved blockbuster, right? It might it might have uh, kept them in business. I would have been so on my ass. Yeah, if it was fifteen years ago, no, I was I was with my wife still then. So yeah, we've been together twenty one years now. This month we've been together twenty one years. Yeah, crazy. Um, so for those of us, for those of our listeners who don't kind of know your y'all's history, uh, Guy and Jess, um, kind of the, it's called the make, make, make podcast. And the first question is what kind of art do you make and kind of tell your story of how you came to be making the art that Mm -hmm. you're making. You want to answer? Sure. Well, I'm going to go ahead and intro myself real quick, guys. I know y'all are. Yeah. You never said hello. Come on. Having a, a, a chat, we don't get to talk to people very often. Um, but I'm Jessica, I'm Jessica Forsyth also known as Jessica Bailey. Um, I have a stage name, which is Jessica Bailey, but I think I'm shedding it as of lately. I think I'm just gonna Madonna this whole situation and and accept that I'm I am a Forsyth and it's just gonna be uh, Jessica <laughs> and Guy Forsyth. So I'll just, I'll just start using Jessica. But I've been performing since I was born. I've never seen a crowd of people that I didn't wish to entertain. And I have, I've been through a lot. I had cancer three times and I moved here to Austin to be with my love and to create music. I do photography and modeling and artwork. I do all the things that you can possibly imagine an artist doing that makes sure they stay poor. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I relate to the crowd. Uh, I asked my mother, I said, Mom, was I ever shy? Yeah, she goes, minutes. yeah, the first five minutes. My mom said I was late being born because I was putting on my makeup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Like, even in high school, like, I led pep rallies for 2,000 high school students, and it didn't bother me one bit to get in front of, even in high school, like, yeah, give me a crowd. I could be 20,000 people. Give me five minutes to put a speech together. No problem. I'll, I'll get in front. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I think I'm ready. we're all I'm ready. like that. And we enjoy yeah. it, actually. Yeah. yeah. I enjoy yeah. speaking. Yeah, no, I do. 
Yeah, as long as as long as the next day I can go into a cave and recover, I'm fine. And that for me, photography was always that I would go into a crowd and photograph and get real hyped up. And then the next day I would go and edit and just be in my cave and just like, I don't want to talk to anybody. And the next day I'll go out and then right like Jimmy Buffett only plays Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays now. And I kind of like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I could do that. Like every other day, that's about what I can do. Um, As far as as any projects going on, we have so many things going on right now. I I mean, we started a Patreon, which is, I would like to say a big, big credit to you. You've been bothering me to start a Patreon (laughs) for like two years. And only if I had listened to your, your, your warnings earlier, Josh, I mean, it's going well for us. We're doing well. Thank you to Guy for having 30 years in the industry to build up a following. So we have Patreon now. Um, we're doing our shows online. Right now, this month, August, we're doing Sunday, what we call European brunch shows at 1 p.m. Mondays, we have a 7 p.m. show. You view those on Facebook or YouTube Live under Guy Forsyth Band. We also started a TV show, which is still a newborn. Um, we're still figuring out how that all works and, and what that's going to consist of that regularly, but... Guy has been working to get um, some videos from bands in Austin that we will showcase. We want to showcase known and unknown and also people that do cool things with art and and music in Austin. Um, I just got to interview Lewis Black, which holy crap, guys. I knew he was amazing going in, but I left actually knowing how amazing he was. And I have so much integrity in the work that I did in that interview. And he's 70 years old. I I just feel so blessed that I got to go and do an interview with him in this later stage of his life and hear just two hours of solid, beautiful stories. And so it's for public access TV, but I see how this could hook me and and make me want to do it for a long time. it's, 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 It's fulfilling. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, when I started this podcast, it it was really just an excuse for me to go talk to the artists around town that I wanted to go talk to. And so, like, the people in my circle. So we had last, last we did one earlier this week with another corporate photographer, a uh, really good guy, Burt McClendon. But then the one before that was an artist. I have two of her pieces hanging in my house, but she's pivoted and she makes, um, her name's Leah Chima, and she makes... Um, uh, she had a bad bike accident and makes uh, bike helmets with custom painted bike helmets. Uh, and because a bike helmet saved her life and like that's her mission now. And so it's just, you know, it's, it's been very interesting, um, like who we get to talk to. And it's, it's really, honestly, it's just an excuse for me to go and talk to people that I find super interesting, but more importantly, that they found a way to make a living making the things that they want to make. Um, so for some upcoming ones, like there's a coffee shop that I love. They created a space in Pflugerville where I live and people just, it just struck a chord with people so quickly. Um, and I want to talk to her about it. Um, I go there obviously not right now, but, um, it was like my, my home office. Like I was there three or four times a week. Yeah. I'd work there for an hour or two and just the space and community. And I want to go talk to her and interview. Like, how did this happen? Um, I think. I think so many times we get so caught up in like for photography, 
how to learn that new lighting setup or how to learn camera settings. But what doesn't get talked about is how do you how do you make enough income from what you love so that you can keep doing it? Yeah, that's that's the right. that's the catch. How do you give yourself a, how do you give yourself an income as a self employed um, yeah. creative? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have a, a a phrase that is has become my mantra of late, and that is that people are at their best when they are sharing the things they love, and yeah. whether yeah. you're yeah. a cook. Yeah. Or a plumber, you know, anybody who invests themselves into the thing that they are pursuing mm-hmm. you can to the degree it. that it becomes, you know, a passion for them, that shows up. Uh, the You know, you could talk about something having chi, having energy, and, it, and that is because of the attention that is placed on it. Um, mm. And so sometimes, you know, you... you you, you can take clay and you can make a cup. Um, and mm-hmm. yet the possibilities are so different. And some people spend their whole life pursuing excellence in this most basic of things. And I think that that resonates for me. And I suggest that it resonates for other people, even in ways that they're unaware of, that that sort of care and attention um is very positive. You know, it, it suggests a level of commitment to the world around us, which is, I think, really reassuring and and a cure for the sort of uh, um, existential angst that we suffer. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. I we. We, this is going to be a random tangent, but you know, we're artists, whatever. Um, we just got our floors done, redone. When we bought our house, it had carpet and we knew that we were going to put in laminate flooring and three guys showed up at my, yeah, three guys showed up at my door at 9am and they were done at 2pm doing half our house. But this, I was fascinated watching them. Like I couldn't take my eyes off them. They were working with skill and like they were on it and it was just i i enjoy watching I, I enjoy watching anybody that's really good at what they do and that and that takes pride in what they do it could be anybody it could be it could be a line cook it could be you know a musician it could be somebody painting it, it, whatever um just the thrill of like this this is like the plato's chair of what they do right and i think you know for me i grew up watching a lot of sports and that you know it was the peak of you know moving your body right nba basketball players it's astounding what they do with at the size and the speed at which they move it's almost incomprehensible how fast they move and how much time it takes to develop to be able to do that and that's the beauty of it um you know musicians that have been playing for for years right you know some of it is the notes they play some of it is the notes they don't play and and learning the difference i think my favorite example Um, of this is is Guy and I were on tour in Europe and we were at the Gumi Fabriken and we, everyone was kept feeding us meatballs the whole time we were in <laughs> Scandinavia because they're just proud of them. And we were at another place and they were feeding us meatballs and we had this little waiter and it was a tiny town, a tiny restaurant. And the food wasn't just amazing. It was, it was, it was food, but it wasn't startlingly good. But this man had 
so much pride. I guarantee you, guy remembers this because this man was so prideful. You remember? Yeah, him? yeah. He was. He, he was our waiter. He took care of us, and he was proud to be. And he was. One of the best performers that I ever watched. Was, I enjoyed those <laughs> roast meatballs because he sold them, man. He, he, absolutely. He, he, he took, you know, he understood his role in the situation and he filled it. Mm-hmm. And and so we have a conversation about, uh, um, I, there's a conversation about what things are worth and what particular labor is worth more than another particular type of labor and what skill set matters and, you know, like how we define this. But um, uh, but excellence in anything, that in, in, if you're encountering a human and you encounter someone who's doing an excellent job, you, you can't undervalue that. You just can't undervalue that because... That uh, because that communicates something that the economy won't. It communicates that you matter, that you know, like that this is worth doing, and that l- the way you live your life is the highest form of art, and yeah. perhaps the yeah. only type of art that matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like what is it? You know, like how is this going to influence you? Yeah. Yeah. I- yeah, I'm always reminded of a parable. There was a, a stockbroker fishing in Jamaica, and the fisherman was like, he's like, so what do you want to do when you're tired? He's like, man, you know, if I save up enough, you know, maybe I can just, you know, I just love fishing. I just want to be able to do it, but, you know, I don't know if I can afford it, you know, to retire doing that. He's like, you can just fish. Like, you can just you don't have to like you can just now you could just quit everything and just fish if you wanted to. But we think we have to have so much to do the things we love. And I'd argue that that doing the things I love has provided more than anything else that I've done. I had a corporate job. It paid really well. I hated every day of it. And I don't, I've almost replaced my income from it. Well, not this year, but I'd almost gotten to the point where I replaced my income doing what I wanted to do. But the journey was so much better. Like, I realize why they have to pay you what they do in the corporate world is because every day to me, it felt like they were taking a little bit of my soul. Just that, that little bit. And what they were paying for was that little bit of ownership of, of, of my soul. And I, at at some, I I got laid off and then the guy that laid me off got laid off. And then the company that I worked for no longer existed. Um, And, you know, it was a struggle for five years probably to get my business up and running. Um, but like I'm unkillable, you know, <laughs> like in, in the, the sense thing, of like all of these things that we and you too, Josh, all of the, the things that we're working on right now and we're refining that we really weren't giving time in the before times. Right. We have right. we have been forced to learn now. I mean, good God, the income that Guy and I are going to be able to bring in with the things that we have learned how to do now in conjunction with playing in front of audiences when it's safe again, I mean, we will have doubled our income when we can do that because we've worked so hard during this pandemic, but we're going to leave this with so many skills that we didn't have and we're going to know them really well. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard, Another good phrase I like is it used to be you could be good at one thing and make a living, 
but now I think it's really, you have to be good at two. I'm good at 43. Well, the musicians that I know are all hustlers. Everybody has to, you know, has to do, it's, it's just a hard job to do. And it's, and, and the money was already really short after, um, after, uh, the decommodification of music and the, and, and, and the way that it changed what musicians did to make a living, um, you know, most most musicians now have to. Um, have, it was a before the um, uh, before COVID, we were told you had to make your living playing live shows. Well, that's been okay with me because I've been a live performer my whole life. I, I was lucky, and I I, I, uh, I figured out what I wanted to do early on, and I've been able to to focus on it you know, since I was 21. Um, wow. and, uh, I've, I've got, uh, I've, I've got ups and downs in my business history. I, I have a textbook bad deal with a record company. Um, uh, I've got, uh, you know, like there's also, I, I made a lot of mistakes in the business. Um, and now I know way more about the business than I ever wanted to. Um, but yeah. you know, I'm, and I'm still here because I, I don't want to do anything else. I, I really enjoy getting to play music. I, I, you know, the, the business part of it, I, you know, I guess I'm limiting myself as seeing it as a necessary evil to try to, you know, like figure out how can I get away with what I want to do, which is to play music <laughs> and to, to play music for people and to get to travel and, and, you know, get to participate like that. Yeah. I would yeah. just like to take a moment to say I told you so to my mom, my dad, my grandparents, my sisters, <laughs> my friends, all my not friends, everyone I've ever known that told me that I really needed to just focus on one thing. Just just if you would focus on one thing, you would just be excellent and amazing at it. But I've never been able to do that. And so I've basically been training my entire life to be in a pandemic. And I will say I'm floating very nicely in it. So I told you so guys. Yeah. There's that whole Gen X meme going around, which I'm totally Gen X. And I was the latchkey kid. I'm like, I'm used to being by myself and being alone at home. Like this is, this has been my, my entire upbringing. Um, you know, Guy, kind of piggyback on what you were saying. You were talking about, you know, the musicians you know are kind of hustlers. Wouldn't you say that the ones that that make it to some level are the? It's not that they're the most talented, most but they're the most hustled. Well, they're they're, they're the, the early adapters. They're they're clever. They're um, uh, um, and and it's a hustle. You know, um, yeah. the yeah. the Romani people thinks of playing music as you know a a a, a, a lifestyle, a career that you steal. You know, like that you uh, you that that you get away with, and I can sort of understand mm-hmm. that. Um, Ray Wiley Hubbard has the line in one of his songs. You know, there's the day people and there's the night people, and it's the night people's <laughs> job to get the day people's money, and that's what I do. You know, I'm not making anything here. I'm uh, we. You know, we're we're not producing goods. You know, I am kind of, you know, like, and, and yes, you are in, in ways that I'm not, but we are, are um, uh, you know, like this in one way of thinking, we're definitely a luxury item, right? You know, like it's something that I know I am. Um, and, and, and this is to just in, in, include the economy and the, and, and the way that the econ- economy works. 
Um, you have to, you, you're more likely to buy food if you're hungry than to go see live music. You know, like to make a decision like that. You well, know, we which, hope that you do. If yeah, that's yeah. the decision um, you need to make. We hope that it's food, guys. Let it be food. You know, and and so I've I've tried to figure out the way to work that in um, in live performance to go where people were paying money to see music. Like, so I ended up down playing down on Sixth Street and playing for tips. Right. Um, and so you try to meet the people that are interested in the type of music that you play and, uh, and, 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 you know, connect with them. How can you, you know, how do you, how do you get the music to people? So that's, that's a, you know, like a, 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 a supply and demand question. How do you, how do you meet the people that want to hear the music? No, no, that's a, that's a great way of framing it though. Right. And it really boils down to for all the artists listening, right. And, and various walks. How do you get your art to the people that appreciate what you do? Right. Isn't that the million dollar question? How do you get in front of the people that you need to get in front of? Going back to that interview I just did with Lewis Black, because it is so forefront in my mind right now. A a thing I noticed him, he just kept coming back to because he's been immensely successful in his career. And Mm -hmm. I did ask him all the right questions, advice for people and all of that. And the thing that he just kept saying was that he just did what he loved. And when he did what he loved, that's when he made the money. Because he he says he's been rich several times in his life. He's not good at staying rich, but he's good at doing it on occasion. <laughs> and he says that it is when he decides to do something that he's so, so passionate about, then that, when he throws himself at it 100%, is when he's successful. He, uh, he wrote the Towns Van Zandt documentary that came out recently. And he told me when he found out he was executive producer, he walked around with a puffed up chest to no one in his house for a whole day feeling great about himself. And then he wrote for three years and didn't do anything but write for three years. But he's wow. won awards and he, and he got rich from it. And I mean, it's just, he also founded South by Southwest. He also founded the Austin Chronicle. He also founded the um, Austin Film Society. I mean, the man just does amazing things. And he says he's done all of the things that have been successful because he did what he loved and didn't worry about trying to put it anywhere specifically. He just really had a passion. And if you really have passion, someone's going to notice it. And I know that's not true for everybody because man, I feel like I'm passionate, but here I am. And I'm just gonna keep trying because if one man can experience magic that many times in one lifetime, surely if I continue to be passionate and just to trust that this all works the way it's supposed to, maybe I'll get one. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that that's a, that's a lot of great, great points. And I really like hearing that. I didn't realize all I knew. He, I knew he did the Chronicle. I didn't know some of the no, other I mean, stuff. There's um, so many more. I can't remember them all. I've always, I've always heard somebody say that money doesn't have imagination. And so that when you, so that when you find that passion, money's just looking for, for that inspiration and it's looking for, you know, it's the day people are looking for the night people. Right. And so, you know, when, once I have ideas and I, I put it out into the universe, that's when people get excited is when they, there's people with money and no imagination. There's people with imagination, no money. And it's up to us to kind of facilitate them coming well, together. To inspire each other, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. Lewis, he, yeah. he started the, uh, the South by Southwest because he loved the music in Austin. 
He doesn't play music, mm. but the music inspired someone that loved it to start something that's now famous around the whole yeah. world. And, and Lewis yeah. Myers, who also was working with him at the mm-hmm. time, they um, uh, they had a, a vision of, of, of a thing and, and, and a really great business observation, which was why not get all the talent together with all the A&R people from the record labels in one place so that people can find the right fit. You know, like, how can yeah. we do this yeah. the best we can? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a hard thing in art, right? Because art, you know, like, it, it's, it's, it's not really, it's, it's not the team sport, you know, like, you know, like a lot of the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and there's a lot of competition, but also it does, it does seem like having all the cards on the table, hopefully, benefits merit that you know like the 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 really the the best examples of things do the best right i think i think that is a if you are fortunate use your powers for good not evil Mm -hmm. like lift others up yeah don't don't amazon i think don't don't (laughs) don't bezos anyone right right do you do do you build the better mousetrap or do you keep the other mousetraps from coming to market right yeah, no, but I think what you're saying, though, it, you know, what they were doing with South by and, and and there's two parts to that one. You never know where your work will take you like they couldn't imagine that it is what it is when they started. Right. When you started on your music career, you couldn't have imagined where you'd end up, but you enjoyed that. But you enjoyed the journey and it kept you going. Oh, right. Yeah. But, the other part but the other part is what they did is they played matchmaker. Right. So they they were the facilitators between the day and night. And you see that, you see those confluences, right? Well, like Miami, right? Art Basel. You see it with Telluride Film Festival. You see it at cons. You see it at like certain, very, very, very infrequently. It, it happens where through force of will, through force of something, right? That those groups get together at certain events for certain things, but it's, it's rare, right? It's hard. Um, you know, the other thing I, I like to tell young photographers or photographers who are just starting out is you have to stick around long enough for word of mouth to happen. Right. And, to, and talking about passion, so many people give up just before it gets good. Right. right? There's always that there's always that story. Right. There's the guy, the guy that right. Apple, right. Big tech company, you know, has made a few billion dollars, but somebody left the company after 10 days. And like, if they had stuck around for like three more months, they would have, they'd, they'd be like wealthy beyond imagination right now. Right. So there's, there's always, there's always something that's going to leave before it gets good. Well, I mean, yeah, there's always, there's always the beetle that wasn't with them when they started. And there was, there's so many cases of bands that just nailed it. And there's the one guy that really regrets getting pissed off that night at the party. Like, (laughs) you know, just, just, you have to put your time in. And this is a conversation guy and I have so often because he has put in his time plus some and here I come just waltzing on in here to, to Austin. Yeah. And I've been in front of audiences for a long time, but not as a, a sole profession. And and uh, I just I, I do see that I, I'm living a charmed life here. It's 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 a it's a it's a little love story that I'm I'm in right now. Just and wrote a song last night. I wrote my first song last night. I saw that. Congratulations. So Thank you. And it is not so bad, actually. 
It's not so bad. Yeah. Has That's, words and other words that rhyme with the words that I said first. And there's, there's, the people that know me maybe have heard me say this too, but it's, I wish I was dumber so I could be more successful. And by that, I just mean, how many times do you get in your own way? How many times does self-doubt and not, not feeling like you're good enough get in front of you? And if you could just shut that off and just go and do, this podcast is actually an example of that for me. Uh, I don't hear very well. Um, audio production scares me. And I, I just, it's not, it's not a strong point for me. Um, and this was, I just did it. I just, just, I put on my blinders and just did it. And I've gotten better and I've made some mistakes. I lost an entire interview. Um, I know. Uh, well, we're going to go back and redo it. She's a, a good friend of mine. Very unsuccessfully, audio recorded half of that beautiful interview with Lewis. So don't feel too bad. I didn't tell anybody. Oh. I didn't tell anybody. Ah, it makes you feel vomiting. Uh, well, but just just getting out and doing it, and not being not letting great get in the way of good. Uh huh. Yep. And just just and just do. Just, do. just do. Yep. Just do, just, just do, and just put it out, and, and let the world, let the world see it, and then, see it and then get better. I've also heard like perfection is the enemy of art. Yeah. 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 I think as artists, we actually need some constraints. Yeah. I was just, I was just talking about What's that. What's a constraint? It's, uh, it's the limitations. Uh, limitations actually, I think oh, my creativity works better with limitations than it does than just having the infinite possibilities, right? Of, you know, like the, yeah. Yeah. Like the blank page is, is, is crippling to me. But if you say, you know, hey, can you make a limerick about Godzilla? I probably can. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we're going to need that. Lim- now we're going to need that limerick. Random. Here's a random connection. A friend of mine and a past wedding client of mine is the illustrator of the Godzilla comic books. Cool. Mr. Mr. Matt Frank. Mr. Matt Frank lives here in Austin. I may have to interview him. That just gave me a good idea. I'd I'd like to see that interview or hear that interview. Tell him that Guy will trade a song for an autographed Godzilla magazine. Yeah. Oh, I I will get on that, actually. we they hired me because I could talk Doctor Who to them. Oh yes, yeah. who's your favorite yeah. doctor? Timey Wimey. What's that? What's who's that? Who's your favorite doctor? David Tennant. David Tennant. Which one is he? I'm a Tom Baker guy. I don't know which. Is, which one is the the one he said the one now the hot one we watched or the is that a different one? <laughs> That's a girl now. What? Yeah, it is a girl. Too, but so I think so I think David Tennant was. Oh man, people are going to be mad. Tenth or eleventh? I just need a picture. What was the name you said, Josh? David Tennant. David he, he was also the bad guy in Jessica Jones. Season one, he was Mr. Purple. David Tennant, looking yeah. for you yeah. on the internet. Um, um, so where were we just, so talking, just about talking about something about good? Good is great is the, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, let, don't let great get in the way of good. Don't let great get in the way of good. Yeah, yeah. just get out and iterate. That is not a hot Doctor Who. That is not. You just say who the hottest was. You said who my favorite was. And, 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 oh, and part of the thing about Doctor Who is that he's not hot. He's he's an outsider, yeah. and he he's is an, un, he's an alien, un, unapologetically goofy. And he, you know, he he's he's he's, 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 he's an alien. He's alien, but he's from Gallifrey. He's from Gallifrey. It's the human qualities that endear right. us right. to him. 
Yeah. Right. It's, it's a take it's on, right, the, the bad guy with a heart of gold, right? That that kind of trope, right? The bad boy, but he's nice to you. Right? He's an alien with a little bit of humor. And that's what makes him endearing, right? He's, he's a time-traveling crazy person with a companion. He's a time lord. Yeah. That's the hot one. Cumberbatch. Matt. <laughs> he wasn't a do- he wasn't the doctor. Yeah, the more he mad was, one. He wasn't the doctor. That's Dr. Strange. No. no. That's Dr. Strange. So, you're, you're, we're going we're, we're going totally cross. There's Dr. What? So I'd like to no. uh, take this moment to also let everyone know that there's Dr. Strange I love. don't know a whole lot about comic books. And yet, I, you know, like before I knew Jess, I, I had seen pictures of her oh, I tricked you. dressed up um, uh, for Comic-Con and, and, and stuff like that, uh, working as a model doing um, uh, cosplay. Right. Just because you get hired to do it doesn't mean you read all of the books. I assume that you would understand I Wikipedia'd and listen. <laughs> I would listen to um, um, YouTube. I so. love that that's a verb. <laughs> I would listen to YouTube videos before I'd go, so I would be learned. I met the, the, the guy that did Bambi's vocals at Comic-Con. <laughs> He's so cute, little old man. He gave me a, a dime mm-hmm. with a Bambi sticker on it. Like he didn't oh. sign it or anything, but I still have it. I'm That's still, very cute. Yeah, still very cute. My dream is to secretly become best friends, so we can go to Disney all the time. So, if I were to ask you a question, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. You know, like, can you name one pivotal experience in your life where you were exposed to a piece of art where it changed the way that you perceived the world around you in a way that resonates even today? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was a freshman at UT and I walked into what is now the Blanton Museum of Art. Um, and there was a, there's, I can't remember the name of that piece of art. I think it's called Trapeze Girl. Um, and it totally changed what I saw as perspective in art. Um, so it's, it's from the perspective of she's flying above the crowd and, it, the perspective is from even above her. Um, she's wearing green um, and she's flying on a trapeze and it's kind of proto um, impressionistic. Um, and it's, it's, it's been on, I mean, it's, the, the blend has it and I've seen it quite a few times. Um, oh, y'all went away. Um, Sorry, and uh, it's okay. It's okay. But I think about it so much as, um, just as a reminder to change your perspective. Um, and it's, it's something that has shifted. It just shifted something inside me. And I, I, every time I walked in, I would stare at it for, you know, the first five minutes. It used to be the first piece of art you walked into before they moved into the new building. Um, so that one. Yeah. So do you think, uh, it's interesting that you chose a painting because mm. I, I and I can definitely you know, like I would I would say uh, mm. Thomas Hart Benton's Persephone, which is at the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art in uh, um, in Kansas City, is one of the you know is one of the first paintings that I just found myself staring yeah. Yeah, at that one. You know, for very long periods. This is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, I have seen this. I've piece. seen this at the. At and the yeah. this yeah. piece of artwork really reminds me by, uh, about Sila. 
Sila's artwork looks like this artwork to me. Um, she's a musician here in Austin, and she just released a new album, which we're going to put on our TV show. So I've been looking at her music videos and her art, and she's a multi-talented uh, artist here in I think that you you would see the similarities too. I'll have to send her stuff over to you. Sorry, I took a tangent. No, that's that's a great question though. Um, But it happens to me quite quite frequently. Like I said earlier, I don't. My hearing isn't great, Um, and so for me, like in music, it's the lyrics that get me. Um, So one of the lines that that I love. So do you know Scott Miller from Scott Miller and the Commonwealth? Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, he had a he had an album called "Thus Always to Tyrants," um, and there's a there's a line in there that I think about so much. Let me see if I get it right. Dead as the moon is, it still pulls the tides. And just yeah, just like I, I don't know. It's there's a lot there. Adam Carroll, a uh, local guy. He has he wrote <laughs> he has the only country song I know of. It's not really country, but it's. The only Americana song I know that has Odysseus as a character. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've got another yeah. one. <laughs> okay. So he wrote he wrote a song called Home Again um, that I just I love. Um, and he's a little guy. He's only like five foot three. He's a little tiny Cajun. Um, but uh, in Home Again, um, there's there's some lines in there that I've listened to just over and over and over again. So that's another piece. Um, my, my friend Brian Keene wrote a song called Odysseus. Um, uh, oh, really? in a, in a country vein, um, which is, which it's kind of light, it's fun, but you know, like, uh, um, but, uh, Brian Keen is, is a great songwriter. And so, uh, and it's on, yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah. I think, I think he co-wrote with somebody else. I know I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Well, it's funny. My, I had an ex stepbrother-in-law that was also named Brian Keene, but I know it's not the same person. So yeah, that'd be weird. So for, for you, like you said, Persephone as, as one that, what, how did your perspective shift? Um, I think it was because it was the first time I saw mythic characters done in a Americana format, you know, a, a really, uh, I, I, I was po- trying to pull it up, although we got a little bit, um, uh, you got distracted by beautiful pictures of Persephone. It's true. It's true. It's okay. It's okay. Um, <laughs> um, so for me, that something that's, that fits that description that was, uh, American gods, yeah, yeah. right. By Neil Gaiman, right. That same kind of like modern gods personified. Yeah. Um, uh, Thomas Hart Benton was doing his work in the thirties and ended up, okay. Uh, okay. you know, like, uh, uh, and so it was, um, it was larger, it was larger than life. The canvas itself was larger than life. It was a, a, a beautiful nude woman, Persephone, who's admiring herself in her reflection in the water, um, which is, uh, not like uh, the other myth that I'm, uh, well, anyway, it was, it was larger than life and it used America as a place to invoke these bigger, larger stories. Exactly what Neil Gaiman was doing in his work in American Gods and also in his work in Sandman and, uh, and, and some of the other comics and and writing that he did beforehand. I'm, uh, I'm really into the generalist approach on these stories, I think that uh, uh, I I read the power of myth, um, which is a, mm. um, yeah, and and uh, 
and the uh, here with a thousand faces, and those, right. um, uh, and and, and f- I think framing the spiritual questions in ways that allow you to access them through your own vocabulary is very useful. I've kind of been an outsider a lot in in the way that I perceived what I've done because I didn't have, uh, you know, I, I couldn't say that I had, you know, like a specific teacher for music. I'm, I'm a folk musician, but I'm really self-taught. You know, I, I, I watch people play and I listen, but I didn't have a, a mentor or, you know, someone who, you know, who really like showed me the right way to do and said, here, you should do this and not do this, you know, like, like that. Um, uh, and so, and, you know, and I'm a white kid from the suburbs who was really into blues. You know, <laughs> you know I did not have anybody tell me about it. I didn't have anybody show me. You know, do you think it's do you think it's better or worse that you didn't have anybody to show you? Was your exploration part of the journey to get you to where you were? Or if you had had a mentor or somebody to show you, would you have been inside more of a box then? It's a great question. And 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 uh, and honestly, I don't know. I uh, um, I think there's a part of me that, you know, even as an outsider craves the sort of connection and validation that might come from, uh, you know, like nepotism or, you know, like, you know, like having, you know, like, like working in the family business or something like that. But that's not at all what I've done. Um, it's just that I, you know, like I, I, I moved to Austin. I dropped out of college. I moved to Austin and I became a street musician. I went to New Orleans and then I worked as a street musician, you know, like it's sort of like, starting on the ground floor and trying to work your way up. And, uh, and I was lucky for, you know, a lot of the opportunities that I got because I did get to play, you know, I did go from listening to, um, uh, you know, listening to, to musicians, to playing with them by coming down to Austin and and hanging out at, at Anton's and, uh, um, getting, and, and, and that was, you know, like, and that was really powerful for me because I got to get to see people play and got to hang out with them, you know, like that made a huge difference. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, like the, the business problems w- working with Antones and stuff like that weren't at all artistic. They were all financial, you know, it was, yeah. it's like weird financial problems with that. I got to do the stuff I wanted to do. Um, uh, you dropped out for a second. Did, can you hear me? Can you hear us? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I can still hear you. Uh, um, uh, but I don't know. I don't know what it would be like if, if, if it was different. I think it's a good question. Uh, you know, don't know. What do you think? Uh, what was the original question? <laughs> <laughs> so the original question was, and, and I'm, I don't know, I'm like half self-taught. Um, I, I do have a degree from University of Texas in corporate communication, but I started in film, RTF department. Um, and so, I mean, I took like, like narrative strategies and like I took some like college level courses in photojournalism and different things. Um, and I worked at the Statesman for a little while. Um, and so I have some formal training, um, but of what I shoot now, it's all been 
just studying people's work that I love and trying to figure it out and like reverse engineering it. Um, but having those fundamentals there allowed me to, to get there. Um, and then business sense for me, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So we talk about the family business. I actually grew up in a family business. My family does train derailments. Um, Pat Baker Company since 1946. Um, so when the trains fall off the tracks, they're the guys that put them back on the tracks. Um, and they, they do something like three to 400 a year. Wow. Which is, yeah, nobody ever gets that, that number. I know. Um, but the point of that for me was I, I had to go out and do my own thing because it always felt like it was... I always knew that if I needed to go back and work for him, I could. Um, and, and my dad is great that way. He would always take care of me, but I wanted him not to have to. Um, and so, you know, I've been on my own doing what I've wanted to do, you know, since basically 19, um, you know, some help here or there, but um, certainly outside of the family business where nepotism could have been a question. Um, you know, for me and my experience though, I'm not the best photographer I know, and I'm not the best business person I know, but I'm really good at both. Uh -huh. Like I'm pretty good business and I'm pretty good at art and I can talk in both realms and I can be that go between, between the business world and the art world. I feel like I can, I can play okay in both. I'm not the best at either, but I'm pretty good at both. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like I, you have to be good at two things now, right? It's not just, you know, for photography, right? If you a hundred years ago, if you could make an exposure, that was amazing. Right. If you if you could get the chemicals to work to create an exposure, that was amazing. And, you know, everybody was beating down your door. Now, literally in my house, I probably have 30 devices that can take a picture. Right. Between cell phones and tablets and laptops and webcams. And, and a decent picture, too. Yeah. Probably, yeah. And decent. Right. Decent. decent. Yeah, probably your refrigerator um, is taking a picture of you as you're <laughs> Yeah. Probably <laughs> just me hungry. Open. Open. Um, right. Yeah. So, you know, our cars have cameras in them. Right. So the act of taking a picture is not the hard part. Honestly, the hard part in my job is writing emails, figuring out logistics, be, being flexible. I had three shoots scheduled for today and tomorrow and they, well, in the last three days, I've had three shoots rescheduled out of four, right? So having that flexibility to be, and knowing it's going to happen, right? Knowing it's going to, something's going to come up and like, I know it's going to come, come up and I'll look at my schedule. Oh, it's okay. It's, it's literally my life. I'll schedule things. I'm like, man, I look like I have. Like, man, I have a bunch, I have, a, I have too many shoots this week and invariably two will move or reschedule and it just always works itself out. Uh, but it used to give me a lot of anxiety and now I just don't worry about it. Um, so I don't know. You, know, you know, I probably could have had some better business advice um, and it maybe would have helped, but I don't know. By having to learn it, I've had to internalize it more. And by having those failures, I've had to internalize. And like, I've touched the stove and burned myself enough to go, oh, you know what? That stove's hot. <laughs> I'm not going to touch it anymore yeah, unless I have gloves on, right? Yeah. So I, I've internalized instead of just going, oh, yeah, it's hot. I know I, I, know I shouldn't touch that. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, in a, I'm in a good place and I'm happy that I'm here and the journey has been fun. Has it been perfect? No. Um, did I wish I would have done some things differently? Yes. Uh, would I have been in the same place if I'd have known those things? I don't know. Right. It's hard to say. Right. It's true. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know, I can think of a, a lot of different things, you know, like, Hey, if I had only taken the piano lessons, but you know, it's, it, 
you know, but I, I'm not upset with, you know, like my life. I feel like I'm a really lucky guy. I, you know, I feel like I've gotten to play music for 30 years and I've gotten to play the type of music that I want to play and do it in the way that I want to do it. And, 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 uh, that is lucky. You know, I just, it, it's like the the story that you were talking earlier about the, um, about the fisherman, the parable of the, the, the fisherman. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tell that story too, you know, or the, <laughs> you know, like the, the business guy trying to give advice to the fisherman about what you need to do is get up early so you can, you know, <laughs> catch two fish and you sell one and you save the money and buy another boat and hire someone else to go fishing. And then you can oh, you're open your own cannery, you know, eventually you can retire and, you know, and just fish and play music with your friends. Um, and, and if you can cut right to the, just fish and play music for your friends, I think that at the place that we are in human history, we're able to make a lot of food. We're able to make a lot of stuff. You know, like yeah, I think yeah. trying to figure out how to live simply is a definite asset going forward with the amount of people in the world. I um, and finding ways to be happy with yourself you know you know like like with the ways that you spend your energy and on the experiences of, of, of sharing things with people and sharing expenses with people um that's a way to reduce our footprint you know as opposed yeah. to needing your own castle you know with your own jet. you right, know right it's just it's like the, the world can only afford so many of those people and right and you know and i think you're saying i think you're saying uh, that undercurrent kind of what you're talking about right What's what's really popular right now? Tiny homes, right? Living out of a van, um, and you know I think they've always been there, but but they become you know there's a whole TV show like Tiny Home Nation or something like that where, right? Where it's like, what do you really need? Like there's a lot of there's a lot that you have. What do you really need? What do you really need to to be okay? Um, you know, is more things going to fill that hole? Probably not. Um, I don't know, just gave a very, very knowing look at each other. Um, He's looking at you know, like, like, my, oh yeah, <laughs> my uh, I'm drawing a picture, yeah. <laughs> not being, being a pervert. My kids came to me. I'll keep continuing, like I didn't hear any of that. My, uh, you know, my kids came to me, like, Dad, we're bored, and we were literally in a playroom filled with all their toys. I'm like, okay, I'll just get rid of everything. Like, it's fine. Like, it's no sweat off my back to get rid of all the toys you own. If, if you don't want to play with anything, like it's, it's fine. Um, they weren't happy with that answer, but, but I think it's important to kind of bring that up to them. Like, Hey, you know, you could just, you know, you can just play with sticks and rocks. Like that's fine. You have hot wheels, but if you don't want to play with them, we'll get rid of them. We'll go, we'll give them to somebody who wants them. So Such a I don't know. Well, but, but how many things as an adult, how many things did we buy that we thought we wanted and we haven't touched in over six months? Right. Definitely. Most of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's easy because it's easy to buy something and have the fantasy about what that thing promises. And, mm-hmm. you know, you get the immediate dopamine burst from hunting. buying something, you know, right. and you get to unbox it and blah, 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 blah. But you're totally right. You know, like I, I really want to be able to play the mandolin. I have a mandolin. I bought one. He plays it, but, so you know. But I can't really play it. You know, one it's, song he plays. You know, like I'm trying. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn how to play it. Dun, 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 you can mock me all you want, dun, dun, but you're gonna be stuck with someone playing that song for the rest of your life. I know. I already am. <laughs> my fate is already sealed. 
Yeah, for me, it's right. We in, in photography, we call it gas gear acquisition syndrome. Right, that new shiny thing comes out that'll make your life so much better and enjoyable. Um, and in the camera world, Canon just re, well, a bunch of manufacturers just released all their brand new stuff, and everybody's going crazy for it and going crazy. And honestly, if you took the money that you would spend on that and use what you currently have and funded your own photo shoots, you could. Like it would be more worth your time to take older equipment and use that difference that you would spend to get the new equipment and fund either a trip or produce the type of work you want to be doing, you know, and it gets back to that same question. Like, just go do the thing you want to do. And, you know, if, if there's something piece of technology, something that, that has to have happen, get it. Otherwise just let it go. Yep. How many how many guitars do you need? Uh, you know, like I can only play one at a time. Right, I can only hold one camera at a time. Baby, I'm. Uh, I think, I think I unless let, unless you're Junior Brown, then you can play two at a time. I think I already let Phoebe in. I'm. Uh, I yeah, I mean, like he's got a kind of a a. a, a uh, a special example, you know, of the get steal. Did he ever get back right. the one that got stolen? Did you ever see that? I don't know if he did or not. I don't know. Interesting. Tragic. But, but I mean, like, but I take your point. You know, like, you know, like, it's how many guitars do you need? Um, uh, and I've got a lot of guitars here. And, and, uh, and the amount of guitars is only useful to the degree that it helps me create something new, right? To do something mm -hmm. or, or be able to fulfill the specific need of, of a recording, a sound. Um, and, uh, um, and I could busy myself owning a lot more stuff, but I can only play one guitar at a time. Yeah. You know, and I could do a whole show on only one guitar. So, yeah. so I'm, uh, I can still tell you about the guitars I'm going to get. You know, you know I, I know that there's, you know, I have, I have a, a friend in town who's still been building me two different Telecasters. Who? Yeah, I'm, uh, so, who's building you uh, those? I'll tell you later when I remember. Um, uh, um, uh, and, yeah. and so, and, and nothing's come of it for a long time. Yeah. So the guy has the. Um, uh, Are you fine? I was wondering if yeah. it was Addison. Nope. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, especially when you're starting out, the gear for for me, right? When I'm starting out, the gear did make a difference, but now, like, I have three versions current of the same camera: five D two, five D three, five D four. And honestly, I don't know that any client would know the difference between pictures taken from either one of them, from any of them. They don't. I shoot a super outdated Canon, and 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 I and and I'm sure that if I showed up to the gig with any one of these these guitars it would still be essentially the same gig um right. and 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 at a certain level when you're beginning having the right gear you know because you you couldn't do that gig if you didn't have the camera you know right. i couldn't do right. the gig if i didn't have the amplifier or the guitar to you know right. that's 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 adequate and i remember not having the amp you know like that i needed and like realizing well so i'm gonna have to you know how am I going to get the money for the amp so that I can get the money from playing the amp? Um, yep. uh, and, and so yep. at that level of, uh, um, of, uh, 
I don't know, economic restriction, it really matters. Um, uh, but it's that way for like measuring happiness. You know, like if people are at the poverty um, line, they, uh, their, their quality of life would really, really change if they got another thousand bucks, right? right. But if I got another thousand bucks right now, it wouldn't, bucks. it wouldn't really change anything. You know, yeah. which is great for me. How lucky am I? You know, I'm on the top of the world, really, if you, if you want to run the numbers on this. Um, uh, and yet, you know, like it's still, it's, uh, it, so if you have less, a little bit of help goes a long way. So microloans, you know, like trying to figure out if I knew the right guitarist to put a guitar into their hands that would make a lot more music, I would. I've done that before, giving instruments away to people that I know that yeah. um, were really in love with it. You know, they were gonna they were gonna put energy into it. They were gonna put chi into it. They were going to invest their attention because that creates a richer world. And people investing themselves into art is something that is reassuring to all of us. Yeah, and I think not only is it reassuring to us, but I think it echoes. Right. Yeah. It I've done the same thing. People people need gear. I'm happy to loan it to them. Hey, go go make some something with it. It's something that's gathering dust for me. We're, we're, go make something. We've got your mix pre three right here. <laughs> yeah. And we've used yeah. it for almost every show. It is yeah. legitimately and, and saving and, our lives right now, to be honest. And and to tell you the truth, it wasn't it was literally sitting in a bag in my office. And knowing that y'all are using it brings me more joy than knowing it was in my office, yeah. right? So, like, for for me, it's great. And but to when I was starting out, there was people who did that for me. Mm -hmm. There was people when I was starting out that I said, "Hey, I need to borrow this to get through this gig." They're like, "Yeah, come by and get it. Yeah. Cool." And so that's what I mean by not only does it resonate, but it, that it echoes, right? It echoes through the generations, right. and it. Right. The whole like be the change you want to see, but also, you know, like be the be the artist you want to be around. Well, right. I mean, I appreciate you. Um, you and Kira are working together. Kira is my best friend and also an amazing photographer. And I have noticed such a difference in her ability to um, to just work. I see a, I see I see her being more professional in the past year since she's been working with you. I mean, because yeah. I know that she's she's shooting with you and, and shadowing you a lot, yeah. and and uh, yeah. and that's just you're kind. such a good influence on her. <laughs> you, I mean, you you're, you're you're a known photographer, Josh. I mean, your work is amazing. I, I there's a reason oh, that two cameras. Yes, there's a reason that you are my preferred photographer here in 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 Austin. Flattery will get flattery will get you everywhere. I Go ahead. so well. I just I, I really appreciate what you can do and and the quickness yeah. in which you work. But to see one of my friends who uh, was already amazing and talented, but very shy and trying to figure out her way, it's been great watching you two become friends and working together and you being the established photographer that you are. I know that you can have anyone that you want come and shadow you and work with you because I know that that is a spot that many want. So yeah. I, I just I, I see all the things that you're saying in your actions. I see you actually doing these things and, and thanks. Cause it's, it's beautiful. I appreciate that. And, and, and honestly, I, as much as I talk, I try to talk very little 
and I try to let my actions um, establish themselves. I had a I had a grandfather that I never met, um, but my grandfather my grandmother would tell me stories that he would giggle whenever he would donate. He would always donate as anonymous. He never put his name on a donation. And when I was a kid, I really struggled with that. I, I didn't I didn't understand why. And I asked her about it later in my life, and and it resonated. And what she told me was that that when that when he donated anonymously and that when he just helped people and never asked for recognition, the reason he giggled is because what he was putting out to the world was it could have been anybody that donated. It could have been anybody and 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 not knowing made it more interesting than having having your name on something. Right. Right. right? So like in photography, right? Sometimes you show less to make it right? You light less to show more emotion. You light less to, to let the mind wander. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier about the notes you don't play, right? Sometimes you want spooky. You don't fill the room with notes. You fill it with echoes of notes. And so what he was doing was by taking his name off things when he would donate to whatever cause, it allowed it to represent anybody and everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's beautiful. Yeah. So although I talk profusely, um, I, I don't share a lot of my personal thoughts on social media. I, I share a lot of my work, but not necessarily all my personal opinions. But I try to let my actions show what is going on. Well, right? you do a good I, job. Well, I appreciate it. It's, it's been hard work because there's a lot of times I run, run, run my mouth. There's a lot of times I want to like, you know, troll after I doom scroll a little bit and just yell and get after it. But I know I realize that doesn't help. Yeah. And what does help, what does help is going across the street to my neighbor and saying hello and being there for people when they ask you to be. And that, that's really what changes things. One more post on a Facebook isn't going to change anything. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree. I agree. I agree. I, I wage the redhead Facebook war sometimes. Never (laughs) smart. Yeah. I heard somebody (laughs) use a phrase doom scrolling and I love it. So I use that now. Yeah. Cause that's where we, we all feel the dread right now. Um, yeah. Um, well guys, I, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up because I've taken so much of y'all's time already. Um, but I love talking with you. Yeah. Um, I sure love talking to you too. And uh, is there, to, is there any, any final thoughts y'all want to throw out there? Um, uh, you're not alone. Everybody's struggling. Yeah. And, and whatever sort of art that you're making, as long as it's reflecting, you know, your observations, your truths, it's, it's necessary. You know, like yeah. it's important that you show the world what the world that you see and, uh, and, you know, be kind. Yeah. 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 You know, I, we truly don't know what everybody is going through to get to where they are now. Mm-hmm. I've, I, I feel very lucky. I've had not, certainly some trauma, but very little compared to many stories that I've heard. Um, and just how, how privileged I am to be in the position I am to do the things that I love doing. Um, and, and never truly knowing where everybody else is in their life, what, you know, what news they just heard or what life event just happened. We don't know. And just having that peace and understanding 
um, and realize that you've been in dark places and you've been in high places and everybody's on their own path and just having that compassion for, for others. Um, and I think as artists, we feel so much, we feel so much more and everything feels better and everything hurts worse. And it can be very, you know, in these times like this, it can be so hard for us, but our reactions from that joy and from that pain are what guide others so that they can understand their own pain and joys. Mm -hmm. I always tell the story. So I was a film student. I'm all nerd here for a second. Mm -hmm. Right. So Fight Club, right. Famous David Fincher movie. Yep. And there's, there's, there's a scene where, right. Somebody's just getting the hell beat out of them. But until you see the reaction shot of the crowd, you don't know how to feel. Right. You don't, you don't know if you're supposed to be crying, laughing or in shock until you see the reaction shot in the film to the action of the movie. And so as artists, we are the reaction shots, right? We, we're, we're telling the general populace how they should feel in ways they can feel that maybe they don't even understand themselves. Interesting. Yeah. Taking, uh, you know, like a sort of crowd cue about how to, yeah, I, I, I can see it. I think I remember the scene. Are we the penguins that jump off the ice cliff first? I think I remember, uh, no, there were the lemmings that are throwing themselves off the cliff. Uh, well, I think so, I remember so, the scene that you're talking about in Fight Club yeah. where the blonde pretty boy yep, is, is uh, getting just pounded. Yeah. So, and, and the nameless, uh, um, the nameless character who is, uh, um, you know, our, our uh, narrator, that's the that's the scene where you see him fight and and he that's the this the scene that you see him fight and win the fight and that's the only one that you see him do the fight and win because when he wins there I don't want to give anything away from the um the film because yeah. the, the film and the book are 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 good works of art and and yeah. you know and still have something to say about toxic masculinity which is <laughs> really relevant at present, um, yeah. and, uh, and 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 but but that's but that scene I think is really interesting because um, uh, because it's a film that glorifies violence, and that's one point in the film where everybody's like, "Oh, you went too far." Yeah, you took it too far. Oh. Yeah, so imagine it, so the crowd has a look of horror on their face, right? Of like that went too far. Mm -hmm. But imagine if the reaction shot was everybody like giving a thumbs up and smiling. Oh, yeah. We 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 would read the scene completely different, right? Right, and so and so as artists, we're the thumbs up and thumbs down there, right? Yeah. So the director chooses what to show that he's yeah. the, he's the storyteller, or you know, or maybe it's the editor, really. At you know, at, at 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 whatever particular point that it happens, but how do you tell the story? You know, like does it say in 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 the script? Cut to a crowd scene where everybody shows horror. You know, yeah. so and and you know, like honestly, I feel like you could cut to me a lot, and I would show horror at things that I'm, I'm witnessing <laughs> on the news feed, and you know, like I and that maybe that's the button that I really need in my social media, the horror button. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, uh, uh, but yeah, I think that that uh, without the artistic engagement, uh, without the artist engaging artistically. Um, we're going to get a uh, a story about events that is going to be dominated by the people that put together that story. You know, like what, you know, whoever that media is. 
Um, and you know, that I would suggest to you that there's a lot of different people working on it because everybody has um, conflicting goals for what the narrative should be. Um, but on top of all of that, I think there is also a commitment to saying what's so and not commenting on it. You know, I think that it's really valuable to get information without commentary about it so that people are left to themselves to come up with what they feel about things. My favorite people were, um, uh, you know, were, you know, like picked on or isolated at some level when they were growing up, because if that is what your life is like when you're growing up, you have to decide what's important. You know, you, you have to you have to realize that like you're know, like, oh, what what is what's the point to all this? You know, like how you know, like what what is of value? And I think that if you don't have that sort of outsider's perspective, you can take a lot of things for granted and never ask any questions about them. Yeah. Yeah. I never had a group growing up. I was I was the link between the groups. Yeah, I was I was always too city for my country friends, too country for my city friends. In my I played sports, but I was a nerd. So in my sport group, I was the nerd. In my nerd group, I was the jock. <laughs> I was I was always the other. Yeah. yeah. So that mercurial aspect to you is one of the things I think that makes it makes you valuable as an artist because as you move in diff different sectors and get different perspectives, you're trying to reconcile them with different, you know, like with with the alternative or contrary perspectives. And I think that that is an important skill set. Yeah. One of my greatest no, things about my mom that I, I I'll talk about is that I thought I think she leads by example. It was the thing that you were talking about what you how you find yourself expressing is like rather than trying to tell you what I believe, I would rather act and let you, you know, like know what I believe through my actions. So they're undeniable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you want an interesting take on the outsider's perspective, uh, this is a homework for everybody listening. Look up the story of Waywa. Y'all know the story of Waywa? <laughs> Do not. How would you spell Waywa? Uh, just like you think it's spelled. W-H-E-W-A. I'll let the surprise come to you, but um, Native American, some of Waywa's work is in the Smithsonian, Master Weaver, also a diplomat. But to me, very much the definition of other for various reasons. So that's y'all's homework listing. Go look up Waywa. I'll put a link to it. Heard. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I'm starting a podcast with my friend Liz. Yay. More Yay. talking. More talking. So I will have to interview you because the okay. name of it is Too Frustrated to Function. So we're just going to be looking for stories Rage. about hilarious frustration. Okay. I can deal. I can deal with that. I can deal with that. Jess, is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I'm just, I'm daily continuing my fight to remember that I'm blessed and to remember that I'm, yeah. I'm not being picked on. I'm not, it's not personal. It's not about me. So it's, it's just waking up every day and trying to, to figure out the best way to be human. And, uh, it's all kind of getting a little bit easier as all of the so scary abnormalities become really normal. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. 
I appreciate it. Well, thank you all for joining us. This has been episode 11. Oh my gosh. See, we're already on episode 11. We started in March. Uh, make, make, make. Couldn't last. I know. I know. So yeah, we're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. Um, we have our Patreon, patreon.com slash Azul Ox. You can always find me online at Azul Ox. Guy and Jess, I will put a link uh, in the show notes to all of y'all's um all y'all's social media and websites and all y'all's fun things so that we can get the word out there. Uh, and then I'll, I'll try to highlight uh, as many topics as we talked about and point people in directions for more information. So anyway, thanks for joining us. And uh, yes, y'all have a blessed and wonderful weekend. <laughs> all right. All right. See you guys. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Bye.